0: There's joy in every journey.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Atlanta,
1: what's going on? It's Dukes
2: and Bell on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We start off every day and every hour by saying, Hey, man. man, happy Friday, Mike Bell. We have issues with our Atlanta Hawks. It's a mess. We have been wondering, many of you, as you listen to us on a daily basis, have been going, Dukes and Bell, Dukes and Bell, Dukes and Bell. What's going on with our Hawks? Sam Emick, who is one of the best NBA writers out there, guys, has been doing it a long time, has published an article called Inside the End of the Travis Schlink Era. It's on The Athletic if you want to check it out. And we welcome Sam into the program right now on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sam, um, first and foremost, you got a lot of Hawks fans going, what the hay? with a lot of the information that you put into this article. But I want to start with the, depart, the departing uh, of, of, of Slink and how this all went down because we scratched our heads and we said, hey, wait a minute, why is this happening now? The timing was curious, and I remember saying that when it all went down. Take us through that process, getting us to Landry Fields, running the show, and we'll get to some of the other things you've talked about in this article.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, yeah, I mean, as you know, this, this stuff has been evolving, unfolding, kind of disintegrating, you know, for quite some time. And, you know, I ended up focusing largely on the DeJounte Murray trade, which, you know, I, I called it the beginning of the end. It's funny that, you know, that might not even have been the West best way of putting it. Cause, cause truthfully, I think the wheels were kind of starting to be in motion before that, but you know, when you've got a massive, important pivotal trade going down where, you know, everybody who knows, uh, indicates that that Travis had expressed concern about that trade back then, uh, and then the trade happens anyway. Then, and this is something that every pro organization deals with: like you, you need to have a high level of trust, and, and you know, if it's not dysfunction, it's function, I guess. So trust and function between all parties, and and you know, when the top basketball executive is essentially not uh, getting his way on a big move like that, it's you know, he's probably not you know headed for a great. Ending relationship wise, um, it, it was though to make it more modern here. You know the the choice to to say that he was going to be an advisor um, and to kind of have this exiling unfold the way it did. Um, you know it was just kind of funny to me because it was it was pretty transparent to people around the league what had happened. Uh, and, you know and like I reported, you know he doesn't have any involvement mm-hmm. in the operation at all anymore, and and is you know likely headed for a job
3: somewhere else at some point, but. Um, yeah, I mean a lot
1: to unpack. I don't know if that hits on what you were focused on there, but, but an interesting situation for sure.
3: It's a great article, guys. I know if you have the athletic, you want to get on it from Sam amick who joins us here on the WaitForIt dot com hotline. The crux of it that Nick Wrestler's got a lot more power now in this organization, he's influencing things. He's twenty seven years of age. He is the son of Tony Wrestler, he has been involved in the organization according to his resume for the last two years. So, is he now the guy pulling all the strings on this thing?
1: It's not quite that simple at all. Um, it, it's it's I and admittedly for for our jobs like I love these dynamics fascinate me endlessly because you know you call them palace intrigue call it power dynamics um, I do think to your question there's some nuance there no he's not running a show uh, he has uh, a voice he has a lot of influence and I think one of the things a lot of times that influential people and not to take to on Nick at all, but I think, you know, you'd be a little more vulnerable to this if you were a younger influential person mm-hmm. is, is that people are smart, right? And so they figure out who's got the juice. And, and when you are the owner's son, that's going to come with uh, a lot of inevitable juice, especially if you're actually part of the group. And so w- what I have learned and what I think happens a lot in terms of their dynamics is that, um, you know, Sure, you might. The Hawks might want to get defensive and say he just has a voice. Except that people in that room tend to gravitate towards. Well, if 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 Nick and Tony feel this way, you know, what does that mean for my future with this franchise if I go against that? Um, and and to be honest with you, I mean, look at Schlank's kind of fate here. Um, you know, Nick. And to clarify this, it was in the story, but I think to be fair, like on the Murray trade, like I mean, Nick was by no means the only guy who wanted it most of the room, if not the rest of the room wanted that trade other than Travis, Uh, you know, but he was the president of basketball operations. Uh, So, you know, from this point forward, the Hawks absolutely indicate that, that that Nick has got a voice and they are pushing back on the idea that he is, you know, uh, pulling these kinds of strings. I would strongly contest and I have with them, like what has happened at this point is well chronicled and everybody knows how it went down. Uh, And, and I think too, that like, you know, going forward I'm I'm very curious to see what the front office structure looks like. Um, You know, it seems like, like Landry and and Nick and Grant Liffman, their new scout, um, you know, and, and Ryan Silverstein, their cap guy, like they have a very close bond. I I, I talked to all four of them in Sacramento when they came through my part of town, Um, you know, but, but above them, uh, what I don't have clarity on is, is how does Tony Wrestler see this entire situation because, you know, his franchise obviously has been, has been uh, you know,
4: having a lot of media
1: coverage lately and, and not all the, the positive sort.
2: Sam Amick joining us here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game on the WaitForward.com hotline. It's Dukes and Bell guys. We're starting the show on this Friday talking about this explosive article, and I don't mean that to be, you know, uh, dramatic. It's the truth. Because now, Sam, what I think a lot of Hawks fans realize is we got some dysfunction going on. We have some issues internally. And this gets me to my next question. For everybody that's been killing Nate, is it fair, Sam, with what's been going on behind the scenes?
1: Is the criticism of of Nate fair? With what's been going on behind the scenes? No, I think it's – I mean, I think it contextualizes it. And I think – that, you know, I mean, there's one thing, and we've, we've written about it, talked about it in the past, it was not really a big part of this story. As it relates to Nate, you know, I would highlight the fact that that if you're a head coach and you have a prominent franchise centerpiece player like Trey Young, um, you know, who, at least in the past, was known to be pretty tight with the owner's son, uh, I think in the coaching ranks around the league, there, there has for some time been a sense that, that Nate, would have a tricky time, you know, really connecting and holding Trey accountable in terms of the way he wants to run the team, uh, you know, because of these power dynamics again that that existed within the franchise, and, and there was this sense, you know, uh, fair or not, and again, I, you know, Nick, I'm sure is feeling like some of this stuff is unfair, but like that that Trey's ability to to kind of circumvent, you know, whether it's his coach, whether it's the front office, whether it's anything, that that his uh, his his kind of rapport with Nick was was making it tricky on some of the other team officials, Nate among them. So, yeah, I think that context should be part of the Nate conversation. And then Nate in general. I mean, the other, again, we've had a few Hawks pieces recently, but, like, you know, like nobody expects Nate to be around after this season. Um, you know, there's there's very, very strong signs that the Hawks are already, you know, deciding what they want to do on that front. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to step down largely because that would cost him a lot of money and he's a smart guy. Um, but, but yeah, I think Nate at this point is, is mostly just caught up in this stuff.
3: It is Sam Amick guys here on the wait dot com hotline, senior NBA writer for the athletic talking about the other way to put it dysfunction right now with the Hawks as we are under 500 a nine seed in the East and there's a lot of bad things going on on the court. One of the pieces in your article talks about DeJounte Murray, who came from the Spurs organization and has never had to deal with this. And this is not what he, from your article, sounds like he signed on for.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that, that, you know, the irony that was lost on both DeJounte and myself when we spoke and that hit me kind of later was that, you know, Landry Fields NBA executive experience has been in San Antonio. You know, he was a scout for them and then he was the GM of their G league team the Austin Toros. And so it's like, all right, so Landry got a taste of, you know, the Spurs organization, uh, which by and large over the course of the past few decades has been um, not only in terms of public conversation, media messiness, that you just don't – not a lot gets out. They're pretty clean and wildly successful on the court. Um, and then DeJounte spent his first six seasons with the Spurs, and he was, you know, not afraid to admit, that you call it a culture shock or just a transition, um, that this was different, that there's a lot of noise, a lot of off-court stuff that he's just not used to that being the case. And so I'm dying to know, you know, where DeJounte's part in this whole thing goes going forward because, you know, Trey Young is Hawks basketball. I think you guys would agree with that characterization. But, you know, this league, things can always change quickly. And, and and, you know, DeJounte's a guy who's going to be a free agent, not this summer, but the next summer. And, you know, what he thinks, how he feels, how it's working, those all matter a great deal. And they matter for the Hawks' future because of what they gave up. You know, three first-round picks and a pick swap, that's a ton. That's their future. And so if this is all headed toward a dead end, you know, what does that mean for DeJounte? What does that mean for the roster and Trey? Um, You know, I think we're going to learn a lot in, in the next three, four months.
2: Sam Amick joining us, guys. We're talking about our Hawks. They are in action tonight, as a matter of fact, against the Pacers. But this is really about how did we get here? Why are we here now and what's going on, not only off the floor, but also on the floor? Sam, let's talk about the elephant in the room. I uh, told our producers when you put the article out about J.C. a couple of weeks ago, I said, we got to talk to Sam. Is he going to be here? This has been going on now for four years. It seems like three years. And I know J.C. was pretty, pretty, you know, adamant with you about screw it. I don't care anymore. I just go out and play. But doesn't this also play into what's been going on behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, I you know even before talking to John, I had gotten the sense that as far as kind of his circle, that he was fairly pessimistic about getting moved for a number of, of reasons. You know, not the least of which was like the front office change. There's just less experience between John and, and this particular current front office, and and you know, I mean, listen, Landry's got a lot of respect from people around the league. And uh, But he also hasn't been the top guy making moves to this point. So this will be an interesting trade season. You know, what can he pull off? How do those communications go? You know, that part, you know, he deserves a bit of a clean slate. That, that part remains to be seen. But John, uh, I did not think he was going to get moved when we sat down for the interview because his contract obviously is pretty massive and his production has declined this year. Um, within the last little stretch here, even after talking to him, conversations I've had with some executives have probably changed my opinion a little bit because it, you know, and, and we aren't always privy to all of the talks happening, obviously, but some indications that the Hawks have lowered their price tag on those trade talks and, and maybe been a little more realistic in the kind of way that, that, you know, maybe does lead to John being relocated. And if you're the Hawks and you're looking to change the conversation, uh, that that would be a, one way of doing it, right? Is to finally trade John. Uh, and, and the sense I was given was that they're looking for. It's not even a, about replenishing the draft picks necessarily. That that you know some of their talks don't even involve draft picks. It's Wanting to get a good player in return, which tells you that like they're fairly. you mean, call it desperate, call it motivated to to you know fix things now this season that they need help right now. You know, whereas before, I think we thought. They'd be trying to to just kind of get some picks back in the cupboard after the Murray trade, so you know we'll see I think there's some interest um you know we've had some reporting on that and and he's a good player, so we'll see what happens with, with John
3: if they were to move off of uh Nate McMillan this year, who'd be a coach that would would be a good fit? Oh man, um
1: top of mind. You know, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Well, shoot, I, to be candid, I'll probably stay out of the name game because I've heard a few, but I'm not in a position to mm-hmm. to share those at this point. But I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I, that probably kind of tells you that, you know, so I might duck that question, but it also kind of tells you, like, if, if there's names kind of floating around the league already, okay. you know, it, it kind of tells you where things are at with Nate. Because uh, that's one of the, the dirty little secrets that NBA teams never want to admit to is like, you know, like once they see where the wind is blowing, like they start, they start doing their work. Um, and, and I think some of that stuff is happening now, but it, I think they're also going to have to look themselves in the mirror when it comes to all these different coaches and, and, and the level of interest from good coaches to come be a part of it. You're going to have to answer some tough questions in those coaching interviews. You know, it's going to be an interview process, in my opinion, uh, you know, presumably uh, feeling like that's where this is all headed where the, the candidate is interviewing the organization as much as the organization is interviewing the candidate, if that makes sense. Because uh, unless you're like a young coach who's just looking for his first big break as a head coach, you know, you're going to want to know that, that, that you're going to you know, go into this ecosystem and be able to succeed.
2: Sam Emmick, senior NBA writer, The Athletic, USA Today. He's been doing this for a long time. Before we let you go, I've got to ask you this because I think this is the question Hawks fans want to know. Despite all of these changes, can we fix what's going on on the floor and get to a point this season where we think we ought to be, which is top four, top six team in the Eastern Conference? Sam, is it possible or is there just too much going on?
1: I, I mean, personally, I, well, you know, shoot, the Hawks fans that are down in the dumps today, you know, we can, I got no problem ending it on a, on a, you know, kind of an optimistic note. Uh, the players I talked to, and and Trey's conversation that was pretty brief, and he clearly wasn't really loving it. Um, but like Dejounte and John, given the context of their individual situations, I was kind of struck by their level of focus. Uh, even Dejounte, I loved his perspective on leadership. I think he's a good one. Um, and I, you know, John had a good attitude, even though he's in the trade rumors. You know, I asked him point blank, "Do you think you guys can reach your ceiling?" And he said, "Absolutely, we're talented." And that's the irony, right, of the whole front office fallout mm. is that the players themselves look at the roster and say, man, we got a lot of talent, you know. Um, so, I mean, they I think they can get there. The offense has been puzzling, obviously, uh, because, you know, they go from second last year to 22nd this year in offensive rating. You know, that's a problem. And and so it, it, that's the tricky part about having Trey Young is that he's a little bit like Luka, not to bring up a name that Hawks fans hate hearing about, yeah. but like these You know, these guys who are the fulcrum of what their offenses do and the usage rate's extremely high, um, you know, DeJounte's been a tough fit next to him. They got to get better offensively, even more so than defensively at this point. But I think they're better than, than their record right now for sure.
2: I hope you just heard what Sam just said about the, the mixture and the makeup of this team. All right, man, great stuff. Read the article. Go to the Athletic Guys. Sam, appreciate you jumping on with us to start the show today. It is a big deal here in the A, as you well know. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you next time, man. Thank you.
1: You got it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.
3: Again, guys, a lot to unpack in the article, but basically Tony wrestler's son was the driving force on making the DeJounte Murray trade that uh, Travis Link did not apparently want to make. All right. We got Chuck Smith coming up. We're going to talk more about this throughout the course of the show. So do not worry. If you're
2: just tuning in and you're going to some some, what the hey? we're going to fill you in. I'll tell you more about what we know. But Chuck Smith's going to join us next as we talk NFL playoff wild card weekend on Duke. Find the game. Happy Friday, everybody! It's Dukes and Bell. Thanks to Sam Amick for stopping by from the Athletic. He wrote an incredible piece in regards to our Hawks and the breakdown of what's going on. And again, I invite you to go check it out. Um, you know, Mike and I talk for five hours every day, and there's a lot of things that are said and. Um, But at the end of the day, if you're going, hey, how did we get here? Because this is really, uh, you know, what this article is about, and more so about the front office. Now we're going to shift gears. Uh, We're going to talk to Chuck Smith in 20 minutes because this is just too much. We want to make sure we're covering all the bases. So let's break down. Yeah. So we're going to shift gears here on a Friday and and just talk about what we just heard from Sam. And and I got to say this too. I'm going to take you guys back because now I can share this. Back in the summer, okay. When all of this stuff was going down, we had heard that there were rumors that uh, Travis Link might step away, right? And we were kind of like, well, this doesn't make sense. He's building the team. What's going on? And and now, as Sam has pointed out in his article, Mike, this gets back to the DJ trade. Now, no matter what you think of DJ, don't judge him as a player. I just want to tell you this from from a fan standpoint. Just sit back, and I will ask you this question. Would you and who would you give up three first-round picks for in the NBA? And if I told you DeJounte Murray was the first guy to pop in your head, I'd call you a liar. Right. Who would you give up three first-round picks for? So this was the dispute between what was going on behind the scenes. Now, the deal ultimately happened, and we are where we are right now. But that's a lot to give up. And, guys, we gave up three. We're barely 500. We're a team that's dysfunctional on the floor because the Stars – DJ and Trey, and we're going to let you hear what Sam Amick said about this, Mike are not coexisting. They're not coexisting, to use a basketball term, because Trey is high usage. That means he's got the ball in his hands, like LeBron used to, a lot. It's like Luka and a lot of guys around the league. So, Mike, that is part of this story is we
3: made this deal regardless, and it's not working. No, Donovan Mitchell I'd be willing to give up those picks for. There's, there's certain players, and again, as you said, and this is not a knock on DeJounte because, as we heard from Sam, and you and I have talked about it, we, love, too. we love the leadership. Yep. We love the accountability he brings, which you don't really hear from anybody else on that team, including Trey. But at the end of the day – this is, I mean, this. we are now creeping into the level of dysfunction that we used to have when we had seven owners, the Atlanta Spirit LLC, when these guys started suing each over over, over the Joe Johnson trade with the Suns back in the day, because part of the ownership group didn't like that trade. I didn't expect to get that with one owner. So this is interesting. Travis Schlank, the architect of this thing, is gone. He has no say now in this team. I got to be honest with you. You know, Landry Fields, I, I think when the boss is getting got, I think you have a degree of responsibility to move on with him. I think there's something about lo- loyalty in this. And I wonder now is our new GM kind of a toady to a guy now who's made a power play in Wrestler's Kid, who's brought in his own cabal of guys who think they know the NBA? In the meanwhile, the season's in turmoil. So this is about as big a soap opera as you can have.
2: And that's off the floor. That's, that's not, not even, even what's going on that, when the,
3: when the, when the whistle is blowing. Well, I'll give you another example. Clint Capella has
2: not played for weeks now. When is Clint coming back? What's going on? Like, we need him to be successful. There is a lot at play here, and I just think behind the scenes, there's a lot more going on. Mm. Now, the irony to all of this, Steve Kuhn is going to come on today, Hawk CEO. Now, you guys know if you listen to us, and we have a great relationship with Steve, but with all due respect, we will ask the hard questions because there are some hard questions that need to be asked. And whether or not he answers them fully and wholeheartedly, I do not know. But the fact is, this information is out there from one of the most credible reporters that covers the NBA, and he's telling you and me and Mike and everybody else around the country, here's how this kind of went down, and this is where you guys are. And I got to be honest, Hawks fans, I don't like where we are. I thought Travis Sling had a plan, Mike, and I think he got cut off at the knees, as you like to say, and you know what? He wasn't able to finish that out. And now I'm sitting here wondering, what's the plan, Landry? What's the plan, Nick? Right. What, what's What's the plan, Tony? I need to know as a
3: fan the investment we have in this team – What's the plan? Where are we going? You know the phrase "Don't change horses midstream." You're Can't in the middle it. of a disastrous season right now, guys. Three games under 500. You're on. You're on pace to be what 38 wins, and in the same damn boat we were in last year. Having to play on the road, play on the road, and get shoehorned into the play-in series. It's bad. And we thought Dejounte Murray was putting us over the top. No, like injuries happen to everybody. We've talked about what Capel is about. John Collins has become such a rumor; it's almost like background noise. Th- there's so much dysfunction now on this team, and this is at the crucial moment when you need to make a big trade to pump life into this thing. Or decide to move on from your coach, and you've got all this soap opera, this michigas, and that's a word Steve would be familiar with when he joins us later. Carl, this is a train wreck. This is like this is like epic big city sports train wreck, which uh, in other cities everybody jumps on because this this there's a bunch of typical storylines. Your first blush when you hear about a young person getting involved, the, the history of professional sports you can count on one hand. The sons who got involved in dad's business and sports and won championships. And that's not hype. That's real. You can look it up. It's been a 95% failure rate unless you're Genie Buss or the Maras or the uh, Rudy's
2: 404 hmm. It's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Can we hear him? Uh, we'll come back. We're going to come back. <laughs> We're going to talk to, to uh, Chuck Smith. We're going to let you hear what Sam Amick had to say about Nate McMillan. Because here's the other part about this. I know a lot of you, a lot of you have been saying Nate needs to be fired. I don't think he has the ability to do what he needs to do with his stars. And part of that is the makeup of what's going on. I know you want to blame him. I want to blame him, but there is more to this than that. And now it's out coming up. Chuck Smith. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs here on sports radio, 929 the game.
4: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
5: It is Dukes of Bell on a Friday. Mike and I are in
2: here like our heads are going, ah! because so many of you are hitting us up on social media going, Dukes and Bill, what was going on with the Hawks, man? I'm hearing Sam Amick. I'm hearing all this stuff uh, about what's going on behind the scenes. We will dive back into that. Do not worry. But we appreciate you hitting us up, and we will find you and return uh, a message to you guys. And you can also text us, guys, as always, on the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line, 404-741-0929. Let's talk to Big Chuck Smith. Mike, that is the music you heard. Chuck, let's talk some football, man, because we've got playoff football in front of us. Uh, we'll give you our official picks coming up a little bit later on in the four o'clock hour, by the way. So Chuck, um, I'm looking at these games and you know, you're trying to figure out. And one thing that we do know, it's hard to beat any team in the NFL three times. And that is the situation. The 49ers are up against, against the Seahawks. I know the Seahawks are underdogs. I know they're not favorite. I know you love the 49ers defense, but it's hard mm-hmm. Chuck, to beat any team in the NFL three times is this game going to be closer? What do you see in this, this matchup on Saturday?
5: I think it's going to be a big boy battle. Now, both of these teams, they played each other. They're very familiar. You know, and when you think about these teams, one has somewhat of a Cinderella story, and one, the San Francisco 49ers, they've come out, you know, like a sledgehammer, you know, made a decision, went out and got Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, a quarterback. That's a whole nother story. And. To me, this Niners team is built to win the Super Bowl. Now I don't know how good the quarterback does, but they got a running game. They got receivers. They got the defensive player of the year on defense in Nick Bosa. I just think that this Forty ers team—they're gonna—I think they're gonna put a nice little whooping on Seattle. I don't think Seattle can protect. Uh, to me, the defense is just okay. But to me, this is more about San Francisco. This team's a sledgehammer, just ready to to beat
3: people down. I'm with you. And, you know, like Geno Smith is a great story for a guy who's always had a chip on his shoulder, but he had only had four interceptions his first nine games. Now he's got seven in his last eight. So he's kind of coming back to the Geno, which I think most people know, and Bosa's going to have something to say about his accuracy this weekend. hmm Right. Meanwhile, yeah, I, by the way, you're, yeah, surprised you're, right. about, you're surprised about Brock Purdy because it just seems like he's Is it just a question of he is surrounded by so much talent you throw Shanahan in the mix, and that's a recipe for this guy really finding it.
5: I mean, I think this goes a lot to say how good Shanahan is. I mean, let's be real; this guy is Mister Irrelevant. He is Brock Purdy. Let's, I mean, let's be real. I mean, he's playing as good as Jimmy Garoppolo ever played. But the thing is, when you build, this is about a team. When you build a team around uh, a defense, that's what makes it so tough to beat this team because you got an incredible coach on offense who knows how to manage his weapons. Look at look, Debo Samuel is not there; things stop rolling. He went and got Christian McCaffrey. Think of some of the things that Shanahan has done. Look what he look, when he got Garoppolo, Garoppolo, Garoppolo didn't exactly come there on a the, on the home run streak. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Let's not act like he came like he was, you know, in some superstar. But to me it's more about Shanahan. And I, I have a lot more respect for him, even since he's left Atlanta. But he's put together an incredible team. And I think with this quarterback with the nucleus of veterans, and remember I said veterans around this guy. Think they still have a they have a great shot to win the Super Bowl even with a, a quarterback that's inexperienced. Chuck Smith joining us, Doctor Rush. He does throughout the course of the
2: season, guys, all the way through the off as well. And this is where it gets interesting as we talk about free agency, the draft, and so much more. The building of our Falcon football team. We're talking playoffs with Chuck right now. Chargers, Jags. Tell me what you think about what's going to happen in this one because. I'm looking at the Jaguars, and I just think they're peaking at the right time. I do have my questions about Brandon Staley, who's the head coach, and what his philosophy is going to be in this game. But there's some pressure, Chuck, that if, if you know, the Chargers don't get it done, Staley may be fired, uh, even though his team is, you know, in the playoffs. What do you make of this one?
5: Well, I make of it because he's already put himself out there to be somewhat of a, a coach that plays the game like, it's, like he's shooting dice. Sometimes he doesn't know what he's going to throw it out there and see what happens. And to me, when you do that, they're looking at this talent. And they're saying, well, there are a lot of opportunities out there. There are games that we've seen that your decision-making has cost us an opportunity to win games. And think about it. When you look at this team, you get the right coach in there, not saying he's not the right guy, but if you lose this, and you bring in another guy who's ready, you got a team with Keenan Allen, you got uh, great players across the board. I think another coach in this situation would have the same success and possibly more. So, but I understand why he's on kind of on the, I guess you call him the hot seat, but it's pretty crazy you make the playoffs and you on the hot seat. Right. I don't, I don't know about that, but, you know, but I hear people talking and the people that are talking are probably not exactly getting the ear of the owner. I, I doubt that. So who, I take that with a grain of salt.
3: Tell you what though, if I was an owner, obviously once you follow the Rooney Rule, <laughs> you might want to bring in a guy like Sean Payton. <laughs> Sean Payton would certainly be able to get more out of Herbert in that offense. You could argue. I know they had some injuries this year too. It is our man, Big Chuck Smith. Joe uh, Von Miller is out for the season. We knew that earlier in the, in the yeah. month of December. Buffalo on an emotional high. Obviously, this Dolphins team is crap without a starting quarterback. Let's be real. But do you believe Buffalo, without having that home field, Chuck, can get to the Super Bowl?
5: Yes. I mean, you got Stephon Diggs. My guy, I, Josh Allen is my favorite quarterback next to Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. Hmm. He's phenomenal. I love what he brings to the table. This defense is underrated but continuously be are in the, as good as it gets in the NFL. They got young players across the board that are playmakers. I'm, I'm big on Buffalo, and I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo gets an opportunity to make a but I, I just believe they're going to be able to outscore other teams, but I also believe in his defense has been solid. They've been consistent with Josh Allen to me as a catalyst. I, I have a lot of faith in him to get an opportunity to eventually get a ring. Yeah. The, the concern,
2: and I don't think it's a big one. I'm with you. I've been on Bill's Mafia all season, uh, but but Ken Dorsey now is going to get some job opportunities. He's going to get some interviews, and I wonder if that takes away. He's gotten a lot of praise for stepping in for Brian, Brian Dable, who took the Giants job, Chuck, and now yeah. this offense has run you know, efficiently. And so he's getting some love. We'll see if he gets a head coaching job or an opportunity. We're talking with Chuck Smith, guys. Do the Giants go into Minnesota and
5: beat the Vikings? No. I think Justin Jefferson's going to – he's coming out angry. He got basically punked by the Green Bay corner the last time. I think – no, I think Kirk Cousins is going to show out. I think this team is – I think they underachieved a little bit, but I think they're from the standpoint of being able to score points, I think they're going to be fine. Now, the Giants, you know, the Giants, they're really interesting. You know, with Daniel Jones, it depends what you get out of him. He's the true game manager, in my opinion. I think this defense is better. I think Thibodeau has brought a lot to the table. Um, Aziz Ojalar being healthy would be great. Leonard Williams inside, you know, big guy there, but... You know, when you look at this team, this Giants team, I, I, I'm not as high on them as I am Minnesota. I really like Minnesota, but I think the Vikings are going to handle their business. But this Giants team, I'm telling you now, they they got some pieces for the future, but I don't think that the future is now.
3: It's Big Chuck Smith. He is going to be your conduit to finding an edge rusher in this year's draft because Chuck knows everybody. <laughs> he's working with everybody, so he's going to be with us all throughout the, uh, again, for, for Falcon fans, some of the most interesting months of the season will be in the offseason. Chuck, big one. We, uh, we have MLK Day off, so let's talk about the Cowboys and the Bucks. Yeah. And the Cowboys, Dak has looked really bad. He's had 11 interceptions in the last seven games. Brady, before the, you know, they, they took him out early against us. He had a pretty good game the week before. How do you see that shaking out Monday night?
5: I think the Cowboys are going to win. They're the better team. They've played better ball all year than Tampa. Tampa had what one good game is probably the what the game before before they played the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think that they're one dimensional in my opinion. They can only throw deep balls. Tampa can't run the ball. I think Dallas is going to turn up in this game. But I but I do believe Michael Parsons and the rest of his defense are going to, you know, be able to shut Tom Brady down. I'm I'm not big on Tampa. I mean, to me, they – Tampa was gifted a a division championship. And one day, when we look back, when you look at the opportunity that the Falcons had, the Saints had, Carolina, it's almost laughable that this team is representing the NFC South. Now, do they have a puncher's chance? Of course, because they have a good defense and they got Tom Brady. So, I'm not saying – everybody say, oh, it's Tom Brady. No, they got it because they got a defense that can maybe step up. Now, I'm not seeing that. I think Dallas is going to roll over those cats.
2: It's going to be a fun weekend. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I'm kind of with you on this. I think everybody's on Tampa. I, I kind of feel like Dallas will right the ship. Uh, they are the better team, have been the better team all year. It's just that lasting impression of the last week, right, that's in your head and you kind of go, well, they didn't play well. And I think everybody gets caught up in that and they think they're going to slide into Tampa and have a bad yep. game on, on Monday night.
5: I don't think that's the case, Chuck. I'm with you on that. No. Hey, Carl, too, man, you know, I know y'all got Steve Koenig coming up, and I know you're going to say, hey, we got to run. Yeah, bro. But I'm going to be listening on the other side of this right here. I need to hear the rest of that tea, man. Mm. I need this Atlanta Hawks tea. Y'all got me and my wife in the car listening. They right. some questions about these Hawks and what's going on,
2: so I'm going to be listening, man. Appreciate you, brother, as always. And, yeah, yeah, we hope a little bit later on we get some answers from, yeah. from Steve. But, you know, the reality yeah. is, Chuck, this is a mess right now. Just from an outsider looking in, if you're not even a Hawks fan, I'm getting I'm getting messages from guys that aren't even Hawks fans. They're like, "Bro, I just read that it's, this thing's a mess." So yeah. you can only imagine how we're feeling about where this team is. And I gotta say this: people talk about how front offices and, and this doesn't correlate to what happens on the field or, or on the on the on the, mm. uh, the the court. Chuck, you know this. If there's turmoil there, yeah. it it plays over into what happens in these games and how things are done mm. and locker room makeup and all of that stuff.
5: That's what's going on with this right now. We got issues. Hey, hey check this out. I remember playing when, uh, with June Jones and Jeff George, and this is, I think, what the Hawks are going through. And I learned this. Never let petty issues divide your team or franchise. or pet, Don't let petty jealousy divide your team or franchise. And that's what happened to us back then. And listen, petty issues will divide a franchise and a team. And I hope they figure it out because I'm a Hawks fan. Yep. And I hate looking in the I hate looking in the news and seeing national reporters hmm. talking about things because two years ago I was going crazy thinking we going to win championships by this time.
3: Right. I mean, it's it's a, I mean, no other way to describe it. It's a soap opera, and it does. Chuck just touched yeah. on it. it affects the players. The players are talking about it in this article. How this this dysfunction translates to what they're trying to get done on the floor. Chuck Smith, get us out of here, man. I know it's Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll talk
5: to you next week. And, yes, stay tuned. All right, y'all. Live life every day like it's third and eight. Me and the wifey about to get a massage. I hate that y'all still at work, though. (laughs) (laughs) Get that bunion. Get that bunion. Yeah, thank you, man.
2: (laughs) I hear you. I was telling Bo yesterday. It's been a minute since I've had one. That whole Deshaun Watson thing, kind of, I was being careful. I said, I don't know. I didn't want to schedule one, Mike. I was like, hey.
3: Well, I mean, it depends. You know, you get some beautiful Ukrainian girl coming in. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. You you get some dude named Otto. It's a whole different vibe, isn't it?
2: (laughs) All right, coming up, we're going to talk more about (laughs) where our Hawks are and what is going on. Brandon, appreciate your tweet. He says, fellas, we got non-basketball executives making basketball decisions.
3: No, no, no. They think they're basketball executives. He said, what is this? NBA 2K? (laughs)